0: Five 15. First of all, it's such a pleasure to be here, but what an incredible evening. I mean, it's such a shame that we can't all be in the room together. Um, but listening to those extraordinary range of stories and if you like, the absolute explanation of why stories matter, that everybody has a a different story and a different reason for telling their story. And so we started with Natalie talking about untold and undertold stories and the idea of crisis, um, the way that actually that is a, a positive thing as well as something that we think of as difficult. And Roger talking about the thing behind the thing and creative citizenship and the absence of Black British people on the page. And Benjamin asking what we can all do. And of course, Laura has just answered that by telling her story, she can do those things. And I love the idea of Neil and efficient writing. Uh, because like Neil, I found absolutely, um, when the lockdown started, it should, it's, my life is like this. I am at home in a place. Um, I'm a carer for a, uh, uh, my mother-in-law, who's wonderful. And my life is, isn't so different in some respects. But I found much like in the aftermath of grief, I couldn't even read to start with, let alone write, and that sense of what creativity is and what you need from it and what you can get from it uh, went completely missing and I think one of the things that 's been a pressure for many people in lockdown is the idea that you must must be productive, whereas actually in a way we should be saying it's enough to live to be loving, to be kind, as Neil and Rosie were saying. The idea that actually just finding a new way of being normal matters. But moving away from that, um, as a writer, um, there's a phrase that I quoted in one of my early novels, uh, You know, right at the beginning of the book, by the brothers Goncourt, who, uh, 19th century brothers who were very much the mainstay of French society and of course gave their name to the most prestigious prize in France. And they, they had this phrase, and they said, history is a novel that has been lived. A novel is history that could have been. And I've always thought about that connection between what is a history, what is a story, what do we mean by a story? Do we mean imagination? Do we mean truth-telling? Do we mean, in the case sometimes of the papers and our politician lies? Uh, you know, there was, I think, Herodotus, who, said, you know, who was described once as a shocking liar. And that sort of way of narrative. The idea that storytelling is about power. It's also about imposing your idea of things on other people. But also it's about stepping back. And if you like going around the outside of the official version to create your story of things. And that is what is so important about the Women's Prize and why 25 years ago uh, we decided to set it up. And the trigger for the Women's Prize was an all-male shortlist for the Booker Prize. Uh, now that is allowed, of course, uh, because the judges have the right to choose the books that they feel most reflect the values of the prize, that make the hair on the back of their neck stand on end. But what was curious was that when the list was released, and it was all men, nobody noticed until journalists started to say, do you know this is an all-male list? And a lot of us, uh, men and women, uh, said, can you imagine what would have happened if they had released an all-female list. Immediately, that would have been seen as political. Uh, The story would have been that this was an aggressive act, it was a deliberate act, it wasn't anything about literature or the writers being themselves and writing what they wanted to write. It would have been seen as a different narrative from the one that had been put out. And so out of that, we started to look into the figures of who was published. Um, and at that time, you know, back in the very early 90s, about 60% of novels published that came to market were authored by women. Although very, very predominantly white middle-class women, uh, women of color and black women and working-class women were not uh, finding it as easy to get into print and, and still indeed do not. Um, and some 75% of novels bought were bought by women. But yet we discovered that fewer than 9% of novels ever shortlisted for any major literary award were by women. And so we we all sat back about that and thought, well, why is that number one? And number two, does it matter? And we decided that it did matter because if you only have a partial range of voices, a very small range of voices that are being presented as literature with a capital L and thereby they are the books that then tend to be studied, and they are then the books that tend to go on the bookshelves and stay on the bookshelves. It means that most of us are not there. And not only do we suffer by that, but most important readers suffer by that, because actually a plurality of voices uh, means everything. You know, Neil said something, and I believe this completely, that the reason I write fiction and historical fiction in particular, is that fiction helps you stand In other people's shoes. Fiction holds up not only a mirror to your own experience but it holds up a reflective light to the experiences of all the other people and their hearts and minds and souls that you would never know. On the pages of a novel you can travel anywhere in the world and be anyone and feel anything and most of all novels give you kinship. They enable you to think about things from a different angle. If you think about the wonderful novel, The Secret Garden by Francis Hodgson, the idea that there are doors into a garden. And some of us enter through our own experience and others enter through their own experience in a completely different place. But novels can help you see the world differently. And When we listen and see the world differently, then we as writers and readers change. We can change the world through the act of a word after a word after word, as the great Margaret Atwood put it is power. Um, So with us, we thought that it did matter that women were absent from the Literary Prizes and many people choose their reading based on Literary Prizes. So then we decided that we would be positive. Um, This was not about saying it's not fair, about complaining, it was about saying, let's just honour and celebrate every year exceptional writing by women from all over the world, every race, every country, every nationality, Every country of birth and residence, every genre, every age. The only thing was that she should be a woman writing in English. And by that, we felt this would be one of the most open prizes, if you like, anywhere in the world. What was interesting when we uh, started to look into getting the money, because of course it was always about the money, was that at first there were two schools of thought. One was that if women were any good, they would be on, I use air quotes here, the real prizes and of course this is something that black writers and writers of color have and working class writers have uh, heard thrown back at them at every moment the idea that there is a level playing field and that it is only ever about the talent we know this is untrue the other thing that was thrown back and quite understandably in a way was the idea that many women of uh, feminists of an older generation of my feminists had spent a long time uh, if you like storming the barricades, to say that everybody should be allowed into everything, there should be equality of opportunity and no barriers uh, to publication, to acceptance, to honoring um, and it seemed in some ways maybe a retrograde step and I had a great deal of sympathy for that. we all did, but the truth mm-hmm. is as we 're talking about creativity and crisis and what writers can do, what storytellers can do, is that your choice is always straightforward. you can do nothing or you can do. Something. And often something is not perfect, but actually the will to change, the emotion of change, the idea that it is important to try to do better matters. And so you will muck things up. You know, the great Samuel Beckett ever, you know, tried, ever failed, never mind, you know, I'm paraphrasing in a terrible way now, but the idea of failing again and failing better. And so one of the things about the Women's Prize was this sense of opening up the doors, opening up the table, making sure that women's voices were not, as Natalie said, untold or undertold. Saying exactly as Roger was talking about, the absence of black British people, but we were looking at the absence of women of all colours and uh, backgrounds, their voices not being seen. And the idea that every story that we've heard this evening has Well, well, could be a trigger to anybody. There could be people listening who might now think, do you know my experience that I have always held very quietly inside me? There is somebody else who is talking about that. Whether it's the enormous fear of the situation that many people are living in at the moment, whether it's the idea of a child being born too early and not knowing uh, whether they will survive, whether it's Susan Sontag standing there and that's in Sarajevo making a difference with those people Who were too thin to remember their words but they knew that the story mattered. So that idea of stories linking us all together kept us going and as we launched the prize I had a very odd experience which was I genuinely believed, um, I genuinely believed that anybody who loved reading would be delighted, thrilled that a commercial company was going to put money into investing in a significant way into writing by women from all over the world. What I didn't expect, um, and we've touched upon that, and we we know that we are living in a very ugly world at the moment, the level of aggression and attack, the idea that every um, idea must be uh, knocked down as much as it must be promoted up. And sometimes you must listen, of course, but sometimes you just need to stand your ground. And what was shocking, I think, um, and shocks me still, actually, is the idea that women supporting and standing shoulder to shoulder with other women should be threatening, should be disquieting, rather than look at these stories, look at how our horizons are blown wide open by the range of the stories that there are. Well, 25 years on, it is a wonderful thing to know that millions of readers, men and women, girls and boys from all over the world, have read women's prize books They have uh, put them on university syllabuses, on college syllabuses, Mm -hmm. Um, all over the world, there are girls and women who have picked up their pens in order to say, I could be that person too, because that sense of storytelling, that every story has a right to be heard, and that people have the right to tell their own story, not to have their experience and story filtered in through other people, that too is essential, and that is all of our responsibilities, to keep opening the door even wider and say, come on in, you tell your own story, sit at this table. And when I was writing fiction to start with, um, I write adventure fiction with women at the heart of it. I write the stories of us, the women who were not the queens, um, who were not uh, the mistresses, who were not the noble born, uh, who are left out of the history books often, who are left out of much of fiction just the normal people living their lives, uh, going about their daily business. And when I was writing that, I was trying to explain to my wonderful, much missed dad that I was writing an old fashioned adventure story like he used to read to me. But the difference was that in my novels, the girls and the women would get to have the swords. And he said, oh, I see. So rather than standing on a hillside waiting uh, to be rescued in your books, it's the girls that are gonna get the rescuing. And I said, that's exactly it. And he said, then tell me about the prize. And I said, well, the thing is, it's not about leaving anybody out. It's about saying there's room for us all, all the voices. And every reader will benefit the more people that there are on the shelves, kept on the shelves. Mm-hmm. So we're coming to the end of my time now. Um, what I would say is this, that storytelling, storytelling matters. We are connected through stories. They're the bridge that put us together. It doesn't matter what you read, but what it is a way of doing is to support voices that have been untold or undertold, to support people who have been left out of publishing and are now trying to get in and should be given a seat at the table. And what we can do as readers, as well as those of us who are storytellers, is buy and borrow and lend those voices that are not always in the sun. And that was what the Women's Prize was doing then, and 25 years on, we're doing it now. And the final comment I would say about crisis and writing in lockdown, what we're gonna do now, is just to say this, that sometimes the creativity, the joy, the imagination, the way that we will make sense of our experiences cannot happen as we're living them. And one of the greatest anti-war novels, I would say, of all time, is All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Marquet. And it was published in instalments in 1928 in German newspapers and published in book form in 1929. It is an extraordinary thing in the First World War. So many men and women were writing at the time that they were living it. But it needed a little bit of breathing out, a little bit of air before the writers and the storytellers could really stand at the top of the hill, if you like, and turn round and put a spotlight what was going on then so that is one of the greatest novels I would say anti-war novels of all time and I genuinely believe that all of the terrible experiences that people have and this extraordinary situation we're in at the moment it will be in the end the storytellers that will remind us of how we lived and who we were and who we are capable of being thank you